0: welcome back to thrive and also welcome back to dr wendy o'connor the stanford trained positive psychologist and life strategist whose thrive episode from january of 2020 episode 15 which is called how to be your happiest self really is still the top listened to episode to date and for good reason we all want to be happy But I think it's safe to say that so much has happened in the last year especially that we might feel has threatened our happiness altogether or at least made it really freaking difficult to find or feel so I get it I know it I feel it and I knew it was high time to bring back Dr. Wendy to share some science to help get our brains back on track This episode is full of fire with scientifically proven strategies, tricks and techniques to help you do everything from release control to reframe expectations, make sense of hard things and move forward from them in a healthy way. Even rethink the stories you've been telling yourself over time that might not even be capital T true. Be sure to stay tuned through this episode. Drop us your thoughts on social media. And without further ado, welcome back, Wendy. Thank you so much for having me, Erica. I'm so excited to be here. I know. We were just laughing because Wendy and I could talk for hours, and we literally already started diving into good meaty stuff and then realized, wait, we weren't even recording. Yeah, push record. I know, right? We literally chatted way back in the beginning of 2020, and this was an episode called How to Be Your Happiest Self. And in parentheses, in all capital letters, it said, really? And it's so fun looking back since that, that, that came out before the pandemic even. Began and like, holy crap, how much has changed, and how much in the world of happiness as even a concept <laughs> has changed since then. But to this day, Wendy is the number one listened to episode of Thrive. So yes. I think it's, yeah, like I think it's safe to say she is the real deal, and it is a big deal that she is back with us today. So, big fat welcome to you, girl. I'm so excited that you're here because it's always such a joy talking to you and you're, I said this to you before, but you're just so freaking smart. So I just think it's so, you're so smart on a topic that is such an important topic too. And it's so interesting, but I think a lot of people kind of give it a bad rap just based on and poo poo at it or just think that it's a bunch of fluff, but there's actually so much truth and so much science behind it, which is so cool. And I think you just convey it and are able to speak to it in such a relatable way that people get and it makes sense. So really stoked that you're here again. (laughs) Me too. So give us the quick loadout again, too, of what you do and who you are. We know you're a Stanford-trained clinical positive psychologist, which is so exciting. Uh, But really, too, remind us what positive psychology even is and why it is such an important thing.
1: Totally, thank you. Um, So I'm Dr. Wendy, positive psychologist and life strategist for women. I help women to create true fulfillment and happiness in their lives in ways that's sustainable. So this isn't about this quick fix of just do this new fad and you'll be happy. This is really about changing your lifestyle, mostly your mindset and your daily practices, your behaviors and habits to lead you to a place of what we call the good life. So positive psychology is essentially the science of happiness which is in my opinion, the coolest science ever because there's a science of behind how to become your happiest self Gives such credibility and legitimacy to the work and watching women transform right before my eyes every day. Is the most meaningful inspiring work I could imagine doing so i'm so thrilled and honored to be able to share this message and to get it out there to as many, many people as will listen happiness is not about the quick fix. It's not about smiling all the time. It's about really creating a life from the bottom up that can light you up, that you can wake up in the morning feeling excited about the day, that you truly can look back on your life and say, it was meaningful. It was fulfilling. I lived it. I gave it my best shot. I seized it. I savored it. Way to go. So it's really, really important, especially during such trying times like we've had this last year.
0: hmm And I think that I'm really especially excited for this conversation because like we just kind of touched on briefly before we hit record, we were talking about how the last time we talked, it was before the pandemic ever happened. And so much of 2020 for so many people felt like such a big fat slap in the face and it was hard. So I kind of want to start off setting the tone with that too, so that no one thinks that in talking about happiness, we're, minimizing the very real very harsh realities that so many people faced so i hope that everyone can kind of see this as like complimenting everything that happened and acknowledging everything that happened but still trying to make the most of the life that you do have and the good and finding and seeking and creating goodness where you still can just because fingers crossed no pandemic lasts forever (laughs) so um yeah i really want to ask you kind of like for your perspective on how you've seen the pursuit of happiness or rather the creation of happiness in everyday life evolve or change since the pandemic began. Cause I'm sure you have such an interesting perspective too, since you do work with women every single day, how did that all change? Because I feel like everyone was just like, Whoa, what like life just went completely 180 crazy, insane.
1: <laughs> totally did. I mean honestly the most gosh like the biggest sentiment that I would hear over the last year is how it really felt like everyone had the rug ripped out from under them. You know, women would come to work on their happiness thinking that they just needed to up level their lives in this way or that or go for the new job or end the relationship or start the new thing. But what they didn't realize until pandemic started is that they actually what they really needed was to give themselves permission to start again, to lay the groundwork from the bottom up. Like there was almost this sense that we were all living life uh, by taking it for granted, by focusing on the negatives when things really weren't necessarily quite that bad. And then the rug gets ripped out and all of a sudden everyone is scrambling for control, for a sense of normalcy, for predictability, for the things that honestly do allow us to feel safest in our lives. But it's almost like no one appreciated what we had until it was gone. And then it was gone. And everyone starts to fumble and scramble for tools to just get out of bed in the morning, tools to still take care of themselves or take care of their loved ones or to still show up at work work became so meaningless for so many people, relationships became so obviously unhealthy or toxic for so many people, all of a sudden, all of the work that we could have been doing under the surface before pandemic became really necessary during this period because all of a sudden our reality shifted, our perception of reality changed and it got us to this place where we were like, wait a second, I'm miserable. I don't want to work here. I don't want this relationship. I don't want to live here. I don't want to do the things I'm doing. What is it all for? What is it for? And so meaning shot up really high on everyone's list of what they wanted to get out of this year. What is this for? What is this about? What can I make sense of? How can I regain that control? There is a panic to create a sense of meaning, purpose, and honestly, control in this life, given our life circumstances, it was really, really has been and continues to be a real struggle for so many of
0: us. Mm -hmm. Where do you think the connection is to between meaning or I'm glad that you mentioned control too, because I feel like that's such a biggie that and happiness, because I feel like to a certain extent, control, we all crave it, even if we don't realize we crave it, but so much is inherently out of our control. It's like we, we crave the sense of being in control, even if we are not consciously aware all of the time that like, we're not actually fully in control, um, of certain things. So where do you think the connection is between that sense and happiness and how they kind of correlate because it's, it almost feels a little meta because it's like control might be this like imaginary thing in certain situations. And then you have something like happiness, which might feel like an imaginary thing in certain situations or to certain people. So it's like, how can you where's the connection between the two? And how can people feel grounded or secure? In that when they can feel out of reach or hard to kind of actually hold on to at some point?
1: Mm, Yeah, such a good question. So I'm going to answer it from two perspectives. One, control. Control is something we really desire from our safety brain. Our brain is designed to keep us safe. It's designed to keep us alive. And so first and foremost, your brain's going to want to keep you safe, which we equate safety with comfort, with predictability, with, um, with really, truly just control over our lifestyle, our environment, the people in it, everything, we equate control with safety. So as soon as that control gets ripped away, which teaser alert, it's like it wasn't really ripped away. It's never been there. We were never actually in control, but we feel so robbed of things that we haven't been able to experience that we feel as though our control was jeopardized. Truthfully, you've never had it. Truthfully, you've never had control over anyone outside of yourself. You've never had control over anything outside of the way you respond to and deal with your thoughts, respond to and cope with your feelings, respond to and cope with the things that you wanna do with your life, the behaviors you engage in, nothing outside of yourself have you ever had control over. So pandemic in that sense, hasn't really changed your true control. It's just changed your perception. Perception is everything, right? Perception is the way that we decide if our life is good or bad, if we're happy or sad. So our perception dramatically shifted. So control is just a way for our brain to keep us safe. So the next time you start to think about, I feel out of control in my life, I want you to remind yourself that your brain's getting anxious because it's designed to keep you safe. It's its job, but that doesn't actually mean that you're threatened by anything or actually at risk of harm. It's just your brain's way of keeping you safe. Separate from that meaning when we think about meaning, it's one of the core components of living the good life to live a flourishing life. There are six components that we talk about the PERMA V model. P stands for positive emotions, cultivating positive emotions. E stands for engagement, truly feeling engaged in your life. Like you lose track of time, you do the activity for its own sake because you love it, you get lost in it, you feel fully consumed by it. R stands for positive emotions. So, really health, having healthy, happy relationships. I'm sorry, or relationships is the R that's most important for that one. M is for meaning, so we really do need to feel like life is meaningful, otherwise we feel like we're spinning our wheels or we're on a hamster wheel and what's the point? What's the point of all of it? What's the point of going to work? What's the point of showing up? What's the point of getting out of bed? If life doesn't feel meaningful, nothing in it will either. Um, A stands for achievement. So we do need to feel like there's that sense of accomplishment or achievement in our life. And I like to think about that as both micro and macro. There are micro achievements like I took a shower today and that's an achievement on a bad day. Mm -hmm. And then there's bigger achievements like I landed that position, I went for the promotion. And so really shooting for creating a sense of achievement and accomplishment in our life, super critical for flourishing. And then lastly is vitality feeling healthy in our mind and our body. And I we could do a podcast episode on each one of those individually. There's so much to unpack, but meaning is directly related to, it's directly correlated to happiness. So everyone started to lose control over the last year. We started to get really anxious and uncomfortable. We started to grasp at straws, just trying to find any way to get back in the driver's seat. And one of the biggest questions that came up in my sessions with my clients was, How do I create meaning in times that feel so uncertain, uncomfortable, and scary? So it's a great question that you're asking, Erica, because meaning is a huge component of fulfillment, really, really integral piece.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, And I also want to point out the fact that there was such a strong emphasis in everything you said, too, about perception. And it was truly, it was our perception of realities that were shifted which kind of goes to validate everything we talked about in our previous episode together too, in terms of how important your perspective is as a whole in your own journey to feeling happier in life or to finding joy. Cause people might, you know, you've got optimists and you've got pessimists, and you've got people who might poo poo on the idea of looking at the glass as half full. When really the pandemic almost proves in a way how strong our, how strong and powerful our brains are in forming what we think of as reality. So really if, if we can be thrown for such a loop, granted the caveat is obviously there were very valid, very real loops. And it wasn't all like it was just in our heads by any stretch, but for the things that were, or for the things that we realized might have been much more of a knock to our perception, instead of a knock to true reality, that that, like how powerful our brains are, you know, what, like, so if we can learn how to retrain our brains or give our brains certain tools where our perception is shifted for the better in other ways, not, not even having a pandemic in the picture. I hope that that can be encouraging for people too, because your brain is really freaking powerful. So it's something where you can use that as a tool for the rest of your life if you're just equipping it and training it and filling it with all of these good things so that in the future, maybe you could be someone where you are so positive where some sort of negative thing throws you and you're like, whoa, where did that come from? That's so not me. The same way that this threw so many people for so many different so many different rides.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm so glad you put it that way too. The idea of our all of us having a toolbox and what's in our toolbox, and we tend to dismiss the power of our mind because we assume that we don't have control over our mind. We assume our brain just told me so, so that it makes it true instead of questioning or being curious about the thoughts that our brain secretes or the messages our brain is telling us about who we are or about the world around us or about our future. When was the last time you stopped to actually question what your brain told you was true and actually ask it Is this actually true, is there evidence that supports it? We don't question our thinking. We just assume that it's true because our brain told us so. Mm so. That perception is the most powerful tool you could ever have in your happiness journey, in your life journey. What your head tells you is going to be a really big indicator in terms of how you respond to that, how you respond to your thoughts, how you change your thoughts, how you restructure and reprogram your thoughts, what you fill your head with is going to have the most incredible impact on how you experience your life.
0: Mm-hmm. Because your life
1: experience is based on perception.
0: Absolutely. And I feel like so many times I see people say, well, this is my truth, so it's it must be true. And I think that people forget that there's your truth, but then there's also like capital T truth. (laughs) So there's like little t truth, which is like things that might feel true to you, but then there are also some things that are true or false and not like, I always like to say feelings are not facts. So just because you feel ugly does not mean you are ugly. If you don't, if you feel like you're not smart, that doesn't mean you are not smart. Like there's, there are just so many things that we could tell ourselves, well, this is my truth. So that's what I'm living but that might not actually be true like on a basis of if something is just inherently real so we can make things up in our head and can very much convince ourselves that it is absolutely how the world is. And it might not absolutely be how the world is. So we really have to be aware of that and cognizant of that so that we don't actually fill our heads with things that are just not true.
1: Right. And it sounds so simple when you say it, right? It's like, oh, feelings aren't facts. And, you know, my truth isn't necessarily true. Just change it. Just, you know, figure out what the truth is and go for it. The reality is, this is not just my truth. It's my story. It's Mm -hmm. a story I've been telling myself, or the story my brain tells me is. So, one tip I'd love to give your listeners is to learn to detach a little bit from the thoughts your brain secretes. Can you notice those thoughts that your brain is telling you are true? And take a step backwards and look at those thoughts from that lens of, is this the the concrete capital T truth? Or is this really the story that I've been telling myself? Because what I have found, and there's not one single client I've worked with that hasn't had this experience. I have found that in every single woman, there are lies that we tell ourselves as truths because we were conditioned to believe them, because we learned to believe them. And so because we've learned through our perception of experiences to believe whatever the story is, it feels true. And you will get into so many arguments with people about that because honestly, there's some ways our stories do serve us, but there are many ways our stories don't. And so if we can just learn to detach a little bit from those messages our brain sends us and just ask yourself that simple question, is what my brain is telling me right now, capital T truth, is it fact? Or is there a chance that it is a story that my brain's been secreting for years that I've been buying into for decades? Is there a chance it's my story and not just the facts?
0: Mm And I can speak to this from uh, personal experience too, because I've mentioned before in the past, I was bullied badly as a kid and went to therapy for it as an adult and all of that. So there were times as an adult where I was interpreting situations through that lens of being a bullied sixth grade kid and playing a story in my head of what I thought someone must be thinking of me or saying about me behind my back. And it was not at all based on anything that they said to my face. It was not based on anything that they might have even been thinking in real life. Like when you say that we've learned, this does not necessarily mean that someone came up to you and said, hi, I would like to tell you that you are dumb or you are ugly. And like, no, sometimes we pick up on, we're, our brains are smart and picks up on subtle subtleties too. So we might've picked up on subtleties of people acting a certain way or doing a certain thing. You might've had a couple of encounters with you know, your neighbor up the street and they might've just seemed a little cold to you. And the story you told yourself was that they don't like you or that that person was a mean person or a rude person you don't actually know the reality of their life, what they were going through that day, how they actually feel about you. It's like, they literally could have just gotten news that their dog died or something. Like there are so many other things that impact reality. And all we are privy to is like that immediate interaction that shifts our entire perspective on a person, on a situation, on ourselves. And then that's the story that is kind of automatically starting to play when we think of that person or when we think of that situation, and we're not even aware. Like, if you pause and ask yourself, well, why do I think that that's a mean person? You might not have even had an actual interaction where they were mean to you. It might have just been from hearsay or something that you perceived to be the case that's not real. So that was all a long winded way to just kind of uh, reinforce (laughs) what you just said (laughs) about redefining what learned is also because it's not necessarily this blatant like classroom setting of life. That's right. It's what you pick up here and there and your brain pieces together behind the scenes and your subconscious is telling you something is real and like it totally might not be.
1: (laughs) That's right. Yeah, no, I think that's a really important message to send too is that it doesn't mean that this has been some, you know, super clear lesson you learned in life based on you on what is true. We've been influenced by so many people uh, through our younger years, into adolescence, into early adulthood, and just you can even think about it like, what were the most impactful influences in our lives? Maybe certain examples of stories we remember, or or experiences that we had, or moments in time where regardless of what the truth actually was we still had a perception at that time that the message we were receiving from our world was you are worthless you are bad you are not good enough you are you know unlovable you are a failure all those messages aren't necessarily just scripted to us you know handwritten and sealed in a letter they really have just been the way we perceived our world based on the cues that our brains picked up on. And it doesn't take much to get going. That brain kind of latches on and then it really changes the lens we look through and then we collect all that you know, future information. But really when it comes down to creating happiness, one of those key pieces is going to be connecting yourself to your perspective. So what has your perspective been on 2020? What were the take home messages? What were the lessons learned? What were the things that you actually did well and could celebrate or feel proud of? There were a lot of happy, beautiful moments in 2020 that our brains are very likely to want to dismiss because of that negativity bias that we have. So it's really easy for us to look at the whole year as being all one way. When in reality, there was a lot of of mixed emotions and mixed experiences. It was not all one way, neither is 2021. So I've heard a lot from people about how it doesn't feel different. This year, it feels like you next extension. It feels the same. It feels discouraging. It's almost like we're running this never ending marathon. And then we run the marathon and then we have to start another one without taking a break. And that's how it feels. And it's really legitimate when we feel that way. And it doesn't mean that this year is all bad. It doesn't even mean that this day is all bad. We just tend to look for the negative. We tend to look for the risks in our environment. We look for the threats to keep us safe and to have that perception of control. And so we just get stuck in this loop of not noticing anything outside of that.
0: Isn't that what negativity bias is by its definition? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So for anyone who has not taken a positive psychology class in your lifetime, God, that was one of my favorite classes in college ever. It was the best. But your brain is literally uh, like programmed to give the negative things more weight than the positives, which is why you've, you've probably heard it said or experienced it yourself. You can get 10 compliments. And if one person says something negative, you will forget the 10 compliments very quickly and you will hone in on that one negative thing and it will drive you crazy. That's right. And it just it's that's just how our brains are programmed. So it's something to really be aware of because you're I mean, you're absolutely right. How many times have we heard 2020 called a dumpster fire? And you're also right in saying there were still good things that happened in 2020 to many, many people. So
1: many, all of us, there are wonderful things that happened to each and every one of us, Mm -hmm. every single person out there. Either we weren't paying attention, either we were stuck so much in our suffering that we couldn't see beyond it, um, you know. But there is something wonderful that's happened to every one of us, and I would encourage your listeners to allow themselves permission to go ahead and make a list. What were the wins of 2020? What were the positives? What were the things that I could actually look back on and not just call this year a dumpster fire or look at it all negatively? How can I actually change my relationship with 2020 so that that doesn't linger and follow me into 2021? You still have say in how you perceive today Mm -hmm. and tomorrow and this year and your life, but that still is up to you. You have control over that piece.
0: Yes. Oh, so good. Okay, so any tips for intentionally adding happiness into routines or into habits that maybe might have happened to us not by choice during the quarantine um or during the pandemic or whatever to or maybe also kind of with that how to retake control over things that for so long felt very out of control and I kind of I know we just talked about how control is not something that we have a lot of say in, in reality, but I mean, more so for things like our own personal daily habits, our own personal daily routines. So kind of thinking through the lens of, you know, the little things that we do have control over, how can we, any tips you might have for adding a little bit more happiness in a very intentional way into the, the little things that we do have a say so in.
1: Definitely. All right. So I have lots of tips and I'm going (laughs) to file through them really quick in my little file of facts here and try to think of a couple that would really create some change pretty quickly. So number one is to do the three good things exercise from positive psychology. This is really about focusing on three good things that happen each and every day. And so you're going to do a couple of things with this exercise. One you're going to put on your glasses that allow you to look for three good things. We want to search for good, find the good, look for the good in our day, quite intentionally, quite deliberately. So one is that you're going to identify what are those three things that are the good parts of your day and be specific. So we don't want to be general and just say, "Oh, you know, one of the things that was a good day was that like, uh, you know, I have a house." We want to think specifically, what about your home is contributing to your happiness today? Get specific, get detailed about it. The next thing I want you to do after you identify those three things is to call each one of those three things to the front and ask yourself a couple of questions about them. Like what specifically is it that's a good thing? Why is that something that's good in my life? What is something I appreciate about that thing? Why is it something that makes a difference in my day? So almost just taking it and not just taking that thing for granted and saying, oh, okay, there's boxes checked one, two, three, I have my three good things, but we want to open it up a little bit and unpack it and be able to identify what about it matters to us because this links us into meaning the things that we can search for the good and find the good and are also things that are linked to the things we find meaningful. So you will see meaning in these three good things. And the more that you're able to commit to that as a daily practice, you will just very naturally create more meaning in your life. So, you will create, you will cultivate those positive emotions we talked about in the PERMA V model. You will be able to savor what is going well, which will allow you to focus less on the negative for a short period of time or longer if you choose to bring it to mind later in the day. And you'll be able to connect it with meaning. And that meaning will give you those data points to look back on your week or your month, your year or your decade and ask yourself, Has my life felt meaningful? You'll be able to say, Oh, yeah. Just take a look at my journal where I've written down three good things every single day that I would never have noticed or paid attention to if I wasn't deliberately acting in a line with with this exercise. It's really powerful. So that's one tip that I would say is a pretty simple one. The other tip, I'll give two for a daily practice. The other tip is to get up in the morning and to set your intention for the day. And that sounds to some people kind of woo-woo, like set your intention. I hope it's a good day. This isn't about hope because hope is not a strategy. This is about waking up and deliberately deciding how you want to experience your day. So some days your intention might be, I want to feel relaxed today, or I want to feel on top of it today, or I want to feel uh, present today. or my intention today is to have that sense of accomplishment. My intention today is to catch up. My intention today is to give myself permission to stop beating up on myself. Your intention is anything that you're craving more or less of in your life that day and then deciding that that's going to guide you. So allowing that intention, whether it's a word or a phrase, to be your compass for the day will now allow you to funnel down into what thoughts you need to focus on that will allow that intention to be realized and what behaviors you need to engage in to create reality around this intention. So it's going to get you into action very quickly. This is not just about closing your eyes and focusing on a word and then opening your eyes and you're like, I feel it. This is about (laughs) you creating it in your life. But first, we need to know where we're going. What's the what's the destination? You wouldn't get in your car and be like, oh, I'm just going for a road trip to wherever. Typically, we're like, where are we going? What's the destination? Then I can map out how to get there, how to anticipate obstacles or detours, how to get my car packed up properly to get me to my, my goal. Same goes for intention setting. It's not just this the word we're throwing around. It's really about What word or phrase do I want to guide me today so that I can end the day feeling on purpose so I can end the day feeling like I moved the needle even the slightest bit towards happiness or fulfillment. What would that look like strategically we want to get into that strategy That's really going to have a big impact.
0: I just have people can't see us talking to each other but I'm just sitting here this whole time my head I feel like a bobblehead already because just everything that you say is just so spot on and so good and so golden like we talk I know we talked about this the last time we chatted on Thrive too but just the fact that this this is why happiness is not just going to fall and hit you on the head as you're walking on the sidewalk it really is something that you have to intentionally add into your everyday life or intentionally create through the choices that you're making. Like very rarely are people, like people don't just walk up on the street and hand you a platter and go like, here you go, here's a dose of happy for today. Like sure, some things might happen, random acts of kindness happen, and if you're so lucky to be on the receiving end of something, incredible. But more often than not, we also are the ones that have to make things like that happen in the world ourselves. So, you know, I catch myself all the time if I have a dreary day and I'm like, well, gosh, like, Why am I feeling so blue? And then I'm like, you know what? I look on my list of things that I have of what makes me happy. And I'm like, well, gosh, I didn't do any of this today. Like, even something as simple as I know that I feel better if I'm getting ready and I have music on. How many times do I catch myself getting ready and it's complete silence? And I'm just like, eh, this is okay. I'm almost done. And I'm like, you know what? My mood is instantly better and instantly uplifted. If I just like have a jam going, like, it's not saying that it's going to, you know, fix every problem in my life or bring about world peace or cure cancer, but it's just something that will make me a little bit happier in the moment. And if I'm a little bit happier in that moment, I probably am showing up in my next moment, a little bit happier. And I'm a little bit in closer to being my best self, which then has that ripple effect on everyone that I'm touching in that moment. So... I'm going to go on a tangent, but that was. I love this
1: tangent. (laughs) I love it. You so get it. You so get it. You so get it. It's really about these micro moments that we're creating in our life or we are not creating in our life. Oftentimes we put our happiness on hold because we can't, we think we can't have happiness until Mm. I lose 50 pounds, I get a new house, I get married, I get pregnant. I become the CEO. There's always this, I'm not going to be happy until, or I can't wait until so that I can feel happy. And I hate to say it, but all of you who are buying into that framework are robbing yourself of today's joys Mm -hmm. and tomorrow because you're setting yourself up in this world where there's no room for The truth, really, which is happiness happens and is cultivated by you on the daily. It's the small changes, the micro moments. It's the habits we engage in, mindset and behavioral. It is not about the next thing. You know, you've seen countless stories on social media or online where that person has the thing. They are the CEO. They dropped the hundred pounds. They nailed the relationship, or they have the baby and they're still struggling and the reason they're struggling is because they haven't done the mindset work meaning they haven't reprogrammed the unhelpful distorted inner critic thoughts that are are really allowing them to believe that they're not good enough people or something's wrong with them so you think it's the thing and if i can just achieve that thing then all my problems will go away and what they find is you're going to achieve the thing and you're going to feel excited for a little bit of time but then you're going to be left with yourself at the end of the day your unhappy self and this didn't solve the problem Mm -hmm. so it doesn't doesn't matter if we're talking about pandemic or regular life no matter what the storm is that's around you there's always an opportunity within yourself to create a change in how you look at yourself or the world and how you feel about yourself and the world always no matter what is going on. So it's just an important reminder that your listeners here is it's just not about the next thing. That's like the icing on the cake. That's the cream on top. That's the things that we can really get to and truly appreciate once we do the inner work. But if you're spinning your wheels, hoping it's the next thing that's going to allow you to feel happy, I just invite you to stop spinning and to sit quietly and to get serious about doing the work inside first and then reaping all the benefits outside.
0: That also reminds me exactly of what we were saying of how people entered 2021 feeling like things would be different and then feeling let down when they weren't. And that the challenge there is kind of like, okay, well, all that really happened was a big shiny ball in Times Square dropped. There, there, The pandemic still existed. There weren't other things that inherently changed Besides this one thing, which was kind of like our until in the situation, like the thing happened, the ball dropped. And then everyone was looking around like, wait, I thought that it was going to be different. But like, if the actual thing didn't change, then what's going to be different? You know, like, so it goes right into you saying, you know, it's the work that you're doing every single day and the change that we have to make. And that that is what is going to bring about the change. Just waiting for something to happen is not necessarily going to be the thing that is the catalyst for the big change in our life that we seek or the the feeling that we want to feel. It's just, that's just not how it is.
1: That's right, that's right. It really is. And it's just an important reminder. It's not as hard as it feels you know i do also want to share that we had everyone had so much hope around what would happen at the end of the year and the sort of a new year so hope was ignited and we got excited about what's to come and then like you said everyone's disappointed looking around like what happened we were so ripped you know a gift of an opportunity to feel happier and the reality is like this is just like any other day and you can make those changes and they are they don't take an arm and a leg they're not you know grueling work it's there's some deep parts for sure but in terms of sustainable happiness we're talking about a few small changes that we just need to change up here in your mind and in your daily practices and then you're off and running and you've got that momentum built and that consistency you've got control where you actually have control and you've got motivation and all these things are coming together because you're doing these little tweaks to the system do not let yourself get overwhelmed and intimidated by the work around happiness. It is work to embrace, not to dread, and it's worth every single minute of attention for you.
0: Mm-hmm. Speaking of, can you walk us through maybe like a cognitive behavioral therapy technique? Because I'm such a nerd like this, and I love it. Or like a little a little mindset practice that maybe listeners can try themselves to maybe release some stress or start to see a little bit of happiness because I, I don't want people listening to feel like, okay, okay, cool. Wendy and Erica sounds great, but like still suffering over here, still don't know what to actually do. Like never did a mindset practice before, no idea, still feel so out of touch, out of reach. Is there anything that you can kind of walk us through together now where people can kind of close their eyes and think and like, actually try
1: (laughs) totally again there's so many that come to mind they're like rushing through my mind so i want to just pick one that feels easy to implement is not intimidating and is effective yes (laughs) so okay so number one i would say do yourself uh, a favor meaning putting your oxygen mask on first every morning and close your eyes and ask yourself this question What can I release today? What can I give myself permission to let go of today? And if you have, if you get stuck on that and you wonder, what does that mean? Like, what is holding me back? Ask yourself that question first. What's weighing me down? What is in my, like, I often visualize this as this backpack of bricks that we're perpetually carrying. And this backpack is so heavy and it's so exhausting and we feel so depleted by it. But we've never thought that we could actually unzip the backpack and start tossing bricks out we just think we're like this is my life this is my lot in life this is who i am this is just the way it is and so if you can each day or even just once close your eyes and imagine yourself unzipping this backpack and seeing the bricks in there and how heavy they are and understand that these individual bricks these different circumstances the perception you have, the thoughts that you have, the meaning you've attached to parts of your life is what's really weighing you down and holding you back. Which of these bricks can I release today? Which can I give myself permission to toss out of that backpack to let go of so that I may feel just a little bit lighter. When we feel a little bit lighter, now all of a sudden our lens changes, the way we look at the next part of our day changes, the way we look at possibility and optimism changes because we feel lighter. But when we're weighed down, all we can focus on is trying to keep this enough energy to keep this backpack up on our shoulders. But when the backpack gets lighter, so does the rest of our lives. And we see opportunities to embrace things differently than feeling tortured by or burdened by our baggage. So that would be a tip to give your listeners is just Closing your eyes and asking yourself, what can I release today? What can I give myself permission to let go of? Maybe you ask yourself, which of these bricks doesn't serve me anymore? You may find some really old bricks in that backpack that you've been carrying for years, for decades, and you've just been carrying it because it's been at the bottom of your backpack and you never thought to unzip it and let it go. Is something tugging at you to let go of? Could you feel lighter if you were to say goodbye to or to release one of these bricks? Which one would it be? Why? and how and so if you can just visualize that experience it's going to allow you to see possibility on the other side of what you've seen as burden or just your luck your lot your life
0: Hmm. i love that one of the first thoughts that came to my mind that is um to throw i guess to throw back at you too is how can someone adapt this as well if there's if they're doing this exercise and they're unzipping their backpack and they're seeing bricks and their first thought is but I can't just get rid of them because it's something that is, you know, like it's, I lost my job during the pandemic. I can't just take out that brick and be like, all right, I'll just get a new one. Like, or, or, you know, a loved one passing away, something that feels heavy that they're holding on to, that is complicated or deeper or feels more permanent. How can how can we kind of like grapple with those emotions and still it kind of goes to what we talked about previously about optimism versus pessimism too. like, how can you think of something a little bit differently without it feeling fake or inauthentic or like it is inherently diminishing how hard or how bad the hard or bad thing was, but still also in a healthy way moving forward productively with a more positive mindset towards things where if that makes sense you know kind of like grappling with the reality and the seriousness of some things while still being able to find and create happiness around it or in spite of it or because of it and not allowing it to be something that you have to hold on to forever when for some people they might be looking at it going, well, dang, I have to hold on to it forever. It's my, it's my permanent brick (laughs) strapped to my ankle. Mm
1: -hmm. Totally. That's such a good question. I think there's a distinction to make. Life's situations, if we think about pandemic and all the loss and grief we've experienced, the loss of jobs, the loss of relationships, the loss of loved humans, uh, the loss of loved pets. We lost our dog last week. Um, There's been so much loss, so much heaviness. And releasing bricks isn't about forgetting. It's not about removing um, a memory, a person, an experience. It's about letting go of the parts of our lives that really weigh us down, like burden us. So one example that often my clients will let go of is resentment. So a situation can take place, or many situations where a person can take place, But what we end up carrying is the burden of resentment about that person or about that relationship or about what they've done to us. And so releasing that brick isn't about releasing that person or about forgetting. It's about releasing the burden of resentment. It's about creating lightness in ourselves so that we don't feel like we need to suffer as much. When we think about like we lost our dog last week, when i think about that i don't think about the loss of finn as a burden that i'm carrying as a brick that's weighing me down i think about it like a combination of sadness and grief uh an opportunity to be really grateful for the wonderful memories that we had together and all the positive things we experienced together and all the laughs and quirks and so i can move forward and say you know what What's holding me back with the loss of my dog would be the heaviness around how it shouldn't have happened. It shouldn't have happened so fast. He should not have been taken away. These expectations is the burden on me, not the loss is not the burden on me. The expectations of what wasn't or what should have been, that's what weighs me down. Moving through loss, moving through grief, moving through sorrow is something we want to embrace and allow and it's a beautiful gift that we have because it shows us how much we've loved Um, And how capable we are of being having such meaningful parts of our lives, but that's not the brick we want to let go of we want to let go of the bricks that just hold us back those grief and loss like that aren't bricks. It's the meaning we attach to things that hold us back it's the expectations it's the shoulds, it's the resentments it's the. Um, the sh- the shame. It's the regrets. It's the guilt. It's the self doubt. These are the bricks that hold us back, not the life situations and circumstances. Those are all legitimate. Embrace those. Move through those. Allow those. Give yourself permission to have the feelings. There's no feelings that are bad or that you know we don't want to experience. We want to have a full range of emotion. But what holds us back in, in our backpack typically aren't those things. It's the meaning we attach to Those things. That's what ends up weighing us down.
0: You could just go ahead ahead and and drop drop the mic now because that was, I mean, so spot on. How much of 2020 and into 2021 were the expectations that we put on the year being shattered? I mean, that is like such a perfect example. And I'm so glad that you said that because that's exactly. It. It's like, ha- it's so often it, we don't even necessarily realize that we have an expectation on something, but we do. And then we're just so thrown off when it doesn't happen the way we wanted it to happen or the way that we thought it should happen. Like what you just said, that should word is so important. So, I mean, there's nothing I can say that's going to top any of that, that people just need to sit and <laughs> marinate in that in a little bit and rewind, listen to it again. That was just golden. Do it. Do it.
1: Marinate in it. Soak it all <laughs> in.
0: Oh, man. Well, Wendy, I want—I know we've already asked you this question the last time you were here, but it's been a hot second and I forget what you said. So I'm going to ask you again, what does thrive mean to you? And how do you strive to thrive in your own everyday life?
1: I love it. So the way I really try to thrive in my daily life is to take control over what I have control over. So this means protecting things like my time, like my energy, protecting sleep getting into healthy habits with exercise and nutrition, setting boundaries in relationships, saying no. Um, I thrive by having things to look forward to and they can be little things. It doesn't mean I'm traveling to the Galapagos Islands during the pandemic, but it might mean that I'm setting up some really fun movie night for my family or I'm having a get together with a girlfriend or going for a walk in a new spot or something that just allows me to have things to look forward to that are small and doable, but meaningful to me. Um, I thrive by asking myself quite regularly, what do I need today? And I answer that question because no one else is asking me, first
0: of all. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Too true, too true.
1: (laughs) So I ask myself that question. I try my best to meet that need of the day, no matter what it is. Um, but really for me, it's about looking at life as an opportunity. It's just like, I'm so grateful to be alive. I'm so grateful to be here, spreading positivity and joy that lights me up. Like this just allows me to kind of vibrate at a different la- level of energy. And that layer of energy really allows me to serve myself and others so well. So it's really a daily practice. And it's really a combination of many little things. There's not just like this one thing that's like the key to thriving. It's really, for me, very personally about checking some very intentional and deliberate boxes.
0: Mm -hmm. Amen to that. (laughs) Well, dang, girlfriend, thank you so much for spending more time with all of us on Thrive because I feel like it's always just such an enlightening gift to have you here. So I really appreciate it. Tell everybody where they can find you online and connect with you further.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's so fun to talk about this. Um, It's so funny because I think a lot of times people would rather talk about their woes and complaints and criticisms and happiness. So I love anyone that would listen to me talk about it. Um, (laughs) And you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Dr. Wendy O'Connor. It's D-R-W-E-N-D-Y-O-C-O-N-N-O-R um and follow my posts there i try to infuse a lot of positivity and inspiration to keep you going to keep you motivated but to keep it real and so that you're not feeling intimidated by success or intimidated by women who are out there doing it like we're all just like one another struggling the same suffering the same just choosing a different approach so i would love to see you over there and if you do come say hi introduce yourself i'd love to get to know you guys